the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 10. Blessed are those who have, pers- who are per- who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Matthew 10 24 says if they called the head of the house that is Christ Beelzebub how much more will they also malign the members of his household you may be seated if you walk into someone's home a believer's home you will often see a plaque or something like that on the wall or maybe today that um, where they stencil have the letters on the wall or maybe on the refrigerator because I have kids and grandkids there's always something in our refrigerator some promise that God has given Proverbs 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you right they want to claim and have before their eyes the promises that God has given. You never see these on the refrigerator. But it is a promise. God, Christ, promises that we will be maligned, insulted, persecuted, falsely accused because of him. And everybody said, Yeah, amen, so let it be. I don't think so. We tend to think of persecution, what we see in a Muslim country. But in the descriptions given here by Christ, persecution includes insults, includes false accusations, and so on. That does qualify, according to the words of Christ, as persecution. 
Throughout the stories in Daniel, we see continual persecution. All the way back to when they first came into Babylon, all right, and they were asked to eat the king's food. Daniel, by the time we get to chapter 6, has been in captivity for more than 50 years. He's an old dude by now. 64, 68, somewhere in there. That's how old he is. He has lived in Babylon longer or through six Babylonian kings. They came and went. That's a long time to be a slave. He is now serving the Medo-Persian king Cyrus, a.k.a. Darius the Mede, and I'll explain that. Herodias, the Greek historian, actually refers to Cyrus as the king of the Medes. His mother was Median. His father was Persian. Uh, he inherits the Median kingdom uh, through his mother's side or through his father-in-law. Many people argue against Daniel because they think Darius here is Darius the Great and the Bible's wrong. Well, that's not necessarily the case. For one, Darius can mean Lord, but in the last verse of chapter 6, Daniel refers to Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian. Some people say that's two separate people. No. He's declaring he, Darius's right to reign over the Median Empire. And as his Cyrus side, a name given to him probably by his father after he was returned home. Long story. He was hidden for a while, lived with some other people. All right. And the Cyrus being his right to reign in the Persian Empire. We see that Daniel has done well under all these Babylonian kings. He has prospered, is the word the Bible uses. Please don't use that in a prosperity gospel type way. Doesn't mean he was rolling in dough, driving a Bentley. He did well. Now, I'm old enough and live long enough, having grandkids, and if they're all at my house, my sons, my daughters, my grandkids and everything, I got to tell you what, I've prospered. You wouldn't consider me wealthy by any means, all right? So please don't put prosper just in the idea. You prosper at work because of God's blessings. The boss looks highly upon you. You may not be the guy at the top, but in this particular case, Darius was considering making Daniel the chief enchilada, okay, the chief magi, the chief governor. They had these satraps and different words, but I'm just going to say today officials instead of saying that every time. And the other fellows are jealous. And because Daniel, it says this in chapter, verse 3, for Daniel began to dis distinguish himself because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. The king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So these guys want to accuse him of something, get him out of disfavor with Darius. Problem, it says this, that Daniel was faithful 
and neither neglected his duties in any way or was even corruptible. He couldn't be bribed, couldn't be manipulated, and was steadfast and faithful. On a simple side note, if, if I could teach, particularly young men, because that's where I spend most of my time, young men in our world today, be faithful for anything else. Just be steadfast, faithful to your family, faithful to your employer, and it's a good place to start. They recognize that the only way they can accuse Daniel of anything is regard, it says this, in regard to the law of his God. I, I, I think that's important because of the thing they get King Darius to do. They ask King Darius to make sure no one prays to anyone besides Darius for 30 days. Now listen to what they said. They want to bring in an accusation against Daniel regarding the law of his God. Somehow or another, they saw prayer as part of the law of God. The pagans did. Not, not, a, not a Jewish believer, but these other officials saw it that way. Find something in his religion that will break the king's laws. They don't find one. So they get the king to do a restraining order. That's how I'll put it. If anyone makes a petition, a request, how do I know that that is prayer? Because in 10 and 13, when Daniel goes and prays to God three times a day, they accuse him of setting up petitions three times a day. So I know it's about prayer. I'm not just making that up. I think they do a few, they know Darius well, like many egotistical kings. They do appeal to his ego. And when you understand that why the Persian law was that a law made by the king could not be revoked because the king was supposed to never make a mistake. When he set uh, ex cathedra, anyway, I'll leave that, and he sets in his official position and makes a rule, he's speaking as one of the gods. Since gods are always right, they don't change their mind. All right? So you could not um, revoke something the gods had said. And that's also true of the Pope. I know you don't believe me, but I can prove it to you. When he sets ex cathedra in his official seat, he is without error, according to the Catholic Catechism. But I think it was also an appeal to patriotism because the Medo-Persian Empire was so vast, so diverse, all the way up through Iran, going across towards Europe, over to Asia, down into Africa, all kinds of people, all kinds of religion, all kinds of worldview. One of the toughest things to do in those was keep the people out of revolt. You, you, you can even see that into the New Testament. Rome had the same problem. 
So, so if he could unify the people in who they pray to, this is for the public benefit. I mean, after all, when there is civil uprising, it's the poor who suffer the most, right? It, it's for public safety. Pick your excuse. Every time government chooses to stand against God, all right, they always have a good excuse. I'll give you one. You can abort your child because a woman has a right. That's why they call it pro-choice. They don't call it pro-baby killing. They put a spin on it to make it sound like it's the right thing to do. So I, just knowing how governments work, I'm sure Darius is going, well, this is for the public good. Now, I'm going to disclaimer a bit here. The time and seasons we live, please don't relate this to wearing mask or not wearing mask. That is not the issue here. This is the issue of telling people to pray to someone else besides Yahweh. The government is not telling us to pray to someone else right now. So I don't want to see your emails because you associate this message with mask and not mask. Okay? I cannot find a scripture that says thou shalt or thou shalt not wear a mask. All right, so please don't do that. Disclaimer done. Okay, but, and, and, I, and I say that here because our government's telling this is for public safety, and I understand that. But I'm not saying that's what they're doing in this case, the mask thing. I'm saying anytime a, a government, any government, when China makes churches take the crosses off the top of their buildings, they say it's for unity. It's for the good of the people. When, when a government requires that you recognize same gender unions or marriages because we're trying to stop hate. When a government tells you you can't speak scripture that would speak against the homosexual lifestyle, they'll tell you it's because who wants hate? Correct? I don't think Darius was intentionally passing a law against a particular religion, because there was all kinds of them, okay, in the Persian Empire. He thought he was doing it for the benefit of the people and for his ego. I also want you to understand this is most likely a law against public prayer. Why? Because they didn't have an Alexa in your house to tell if you were praying. Okay? Now, he, he might have, you know, they might have had snitches in the neighborhood to narc on each other. But your thought world and what you do in your private bedroom, they couldn't see. The Bible points out here that Daniel, because he was seen because he did it in front of an open window. And it was temporary. It wasn't meant to be a permanent law for perpetuity in the Persian Empire. This, I mean, it's just 30 days. I mean, really, if, if, if somebody doesn't want to pray to me, Darius, they could just not pray for 30 days. Or they could just keep their religion private for 30 days. 
And these guys remind Darius when he makes us all, this cannot be revoked. Okay. Again, they're relying on the fact that the king doesn't make mistakes because when he legally signs a declaration. It says that he signed it. So he's setting in this place of authority that he is not making a mistake. Let me put it another way. Uh, our God today called science says that the earth is billions of years old. It can't make a mistake because it's science. And, and, and you can apply that to however you want. But today we have the idea because a scientist says so or a group of scientists say that Daniel is wrong. It made up these. I can show you where the particularly <coughs> the first six chapters of Daniel are just mythology. Because to them, they can't find what they think is evidence, enough evidence for the historicity of Daniel. So before you think today, we had, they had that kind of mindset that a king, an official, title behind his name, King of Kings, that's what he called himself, okay, meant he didn't make mistakes. Because you have PhD next to your name does not mean you don't make mistakes. Okay? And I'm pointing that out. We do have a PhD among us, so I'm not making fun of PhDs. Don't do that. Okay? Now listen to verse 10. Now when Daniel knew the document was signed. They did this all behind Daniel's back, of course. He probably hears of it by some kind of pro public proclamation the way everybody else heard it. Okay? When he heard it was signed, he entered his house. There's a parenthetical statement there I'll come back to. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before God as he had been doing previously. So they, the, the other officials knew he did this, so they get this restraining order, particularly on the thing they already knew he did. Now it does tell us that in his roof chamber, his upper room, his window were open and he prayed toward Jerusalem. Okay? And that's taken directly from 2 Chronicles chapter 6. When the temple is built, God says through the prayer of Solomon that your people, when they're scattered other places, should turn and pray towards Jerusalem and then God would hear them as they repent. So Daniel's just following a promise given when the temple was built. Okay? So I want to say again, Daniel was not rebelling when he did this. He was already doing this. He didn't go open his window so that he would be seen. His window was always open three times a day where he could pray toward facing Jerusalem. It wasn't a protest to the law. Okay, He didn't get up and go to the king and complain about these guys that are falsely accusing him or anything else. Okay, 
I wonder, though, what Daniel prayed. Did he just go to the window and pray what he always prayed? He knew at this point by the proclamation that he was going to face lion lunch. That was the edict. If you do this, you get thrown in the lion's den. I would imagine his prayer was somewhat different. Keep me out of the lion's mouth. Straightforward. But it also says this, that he gave thanks. For what? I'm so glad I've been a slave for 50 years. What a blessing. I'm so glad when this day is over, I'll probably be in the lion's den. Thank you, Lord. But notice in the midst of his persecution, he did not forget to give thanks. He what? And he continued to do what he did previously. And let me put it this way. The previously follows. He gave thanksgiving. He didn't pray into thanksgiving in the midst of, for the first time, under trial and persecution. He practiced regularly prayer and giving thanks previously. So it was just what he did when his life was threatened. Pray and give thanks. You know, Daniel could have just prayed privately, could have shut the window. So when he's going to God and praying and asking God to keep him out of the lion's den, all he had to do was shut the window. Nobody would have seen him. I mean, after all, didn't Jesus say in Matthew 6, when you pray, go into your private chamber? See, I got scripture for it. Daniel should have just shut his window, did it privately. Or he could have just simply for 30 days not prayed at all. Or just prayed in his mind. Again, in Matthew 6, it tells us that God knows what we're going to pray before we ever do it. So can't I just think it? Couldn't have Daniel done that and, and by New Testament, aligned himself properly with Scripture? Uh-huh. The, these officials obviously are spying on Daniel. They see him do this like he always has done. They probably didn't even have to do that. They just knew that he did it. And went and told the king that. They didn't necessarily have to see him. Listen to what they say. They come to him and they remind him of his order. And, and Darius goes, and yes, I know it can't be revoked. The somehow enough they've reiterated that, that Darius goes, Darius, yeah, yeah, and I know it can't be revoked. Here's what they say in verse 13. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. First, tried to disparage his character by saying the foreigner. You know, one of those Jewish guys. Pays no attention to you. Is that true? Not, not if he's been prospering like 
Scripture says, not if the king's wanting to make him the head of the kingdom of all the officials. He's obviously been listening to the king. But they want to take his disobedience to this one, I'll call it restraining order, this one rule, and turn around and say, he don't even listen to you. O king, or the injunction you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. It's amazing how they want to twist things. You know, he just, he doesn't pay, he doesn't really care about you, king. He's got this thing he does. You signed this thing and he don't really care. The Bible tells us that Darius in verse 14 is deeply distressed and he set his mind to deliver Daniel. This is big. He set his mind as the king of kings, which he called himself, to deliver Daniel. Of course, the officials remind him throughout the day that this law cannot be revoked. Darius hadn't figured out yet that you can be the king and you still can't get people to stop hating God's people. Good luck. Okay, and, and, I, and, I, and I use this, I think it was Wednesday night, example. If you were in school, college, high school, wherever, and somebody gets hold of the next exam, and they share it with everybody in the class, and they come to you, here you go, you can study, you, and you go, oh, no, 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 no thanks. Are they going to like you? What's your problem? You want to make us all look bad? Just doing right, desiring to do right will get you hated. I will prove it to you from Scripture in a minute. Okay, To do what's right in God's eyes will cause you to be despised. And governments will never stop that. Daniel's brought before Darius. Listen to what Darius says. Your God, whom you constantly serve, not just on Sundays, constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Remember, Darius has already tried to deliver. That's, a, that's almost a statement of faith from Darius. Daniel lived such a life that the unbelieving king knew that his God, Daniel's, would deliver him. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.